0: Hey everyone, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to another episode of Beyond Prisons. Kim and I recently caught up with Josh Davidson and Leslie James Pickering from the Certain Days Collective, which produces the amazing Certain Days Freedom for Political Prisoners calendar. We previously spoke with Josh and other folks from the Collective back in 2020, and I encourage you to go listen to that episode if you haven't heard it yet. But in case you don't know, the Certain Days Calendar is a joint fundraising and educational project between outside organizers in Montreal, New York, and Baltimore, and current and former political prisoners, including currently imprisoned Shinochly in Texas, and founding members Herman Bell, Robert Seth Hayes, and David Gilbert. All of the current members of the Outside Collective are grounded in day to day organizing work other than the calendar on issues ranging from legal aid to community media. Radical Education to Prisoner Solidarity, and they work from an anti-imperialist, anti-racist, anti-capitalist, feminist, queer, and trans-liberationist position. All proceeds from this calendar go to abolitionist organizations working for a better world. We highly encourage you to pick up a few copies of the calendar if you haven't already. If you're in the U.S., you can get it at certaindays.org or from Burning Books at burningbooks.com. And if you're in Canada, you can head over to leftwingbooks.net to get yours. We will, of course, include links to all of these websites and more in the episode notes. Josh and Leslie spoke to us about the works included in this year's calendar, how they've navigated increasingly oppressive mail policies to distribute it, Josh's upcoming book with political prisoner Eric King, the impact that focusing their work on solidarity with political prisoners has had on their political analysis and organizing, and a whole lot more. Josh Davidson is an abolitionist who is involved in numerous projects, including the Certain Days Collective and the Children's Art Project with political prisoner Oso Blanco. Josh also works in communications with the Zinn Education Project, which promotes the teaching of radical people's history in classrooms and provides free lessons and resources for educators. Along with political prisoner Eric King, Josh co-edited the anthology Rattling the Cages, Oral Histories of North American Political Prisoners, which is out on AK Press. He lives in Eugene, Oregon. Leslie James Pickering is also a member of the Certain Days Collective and is a co-owner of Burning Books in Buffalo, New York. He was also spokesperson for the Earth Liberation Front press office. If you like the show and would like to learn more about us and how to support us, you can head on over to beyond-prisons.com where you'll find all of our episodes, some transcripts, and donation options. We are a listener-supported show, so every donation helps no matter how big or small. You can also help us out by telling your friends about us and rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you're listening to this now. That's all. Thanks for listening, and here's our conversation with Josh and Leslie from the Certain Days Collective.
1: Welcome and welcome back uh, to both of you. Uh, I'd like to begin by asking you to provide a brief introduction to what the Certain Days calendar is um, and ask you both to talk a bit about uh, the position from which you work and touch on what the goal of this project is.
2: Just in a nutshell, the the Certain Days calendar is a project that supports political prisoners in North America. Um, It's a calendar that draws together artwork and articles relating to issue, issues that political prisoners are working on or deal with, or that the abolitionist movement deals with, and um, and makes an incredible looking calendar year after year. It's been going over 20 years. I don't know if you have something to add to that, Josh.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Leslie. Um, and the, yeah, the, the 23rd calendar, which is the 2024 calendar, is available now. It's our 23rd time doing this. Um Not much really to add, except a little, maybe a little back history to the calendar. Um, It was started by three former, now former political prisoners, uh, Herman Bell, Robert Seth Hayes, and David Gilbert, uh, all New York State political prisoners and all now free. And Robert Seth Hayes died a few years ago. Uh, But we do still have one inside member, Zanachali, who's imprisoned in Texas. And he did some really beautiful art this year for the new calendar.
0: You know, I know that the Certain Days calendar is a project of the collective, and I know that there's work that goes on, uh, you know, outside of just the calendar that the calendar is just part of, Um, you know, can you uh, talk a little bit more about the work of the collective, but also, um, you know, maybe for anybody who's not too familiar with some of the founding collective members that you just mentioned, if they're not familiar with some of those people, can you tell folks a little bit about them?
3: Sure, how about um Leslie, do you want to talk about the founding members and I'll talk about Xenopholi?
2: Sounds great. Um yeah, so David Gilbert, uh Herman Bell and, and and Robert Seth Hayes were all political prisoners here in New York State where I'm at. Um they were serving well, in the case of, of um Seth and Herman, they were serving twenty five to life. Sentences in maximum security in New York State. They were both former uh, Members of the Black Panther Party and then members of the Black Liberation Army Uh, David Gilbert was a former member of the Weather Underground and uh, An ally to the Black Liberation struggle. He was serving a 75 to life sentence here in New York State as well Um, They've all been paroled and then as Josh mentioned Seth passed away uh, about a year and a half after he was paroled here to Buffalo um, so these are people who had deep roots and were firmly committed to liberation struggles um, and had experienced uh, pretty much like uh, what I'd say a tremendous amount of repression on decades in maximum security in New York State prisons um, and really it was very unlikely that any of them would ever get out to be honest about it it took a lot of work and a bunch of luck in order to make that happen a lot of struggle so um, while they were inside, they came up, or Herman in particular, came up with this concept of this calendar. And, uh, and the founders got on board, and that's how this project got launched.
3: Yeah, and uh, Zanachli joined us maybe five years ago. Uh, he, his, his name is Alvaro Luna Hernandez. He goes by Zinoczli, which means seed. Um, he's a Chicano rights activist and a jailhouse lawyer, um, a, a, a pretty renowned jailhouse lawyer uh, internationally. And he's been in prison since 1996, when um, a cop tried to kill him, and he disarmed the cop. And he's been in prison ever since most of that time uh, in solitary confinement and under really repressive conditions.
1: What role does the Certain Days uh, Collective play in supporting various frontline struggles? Including those defending uh, natural environments, reproductive rights, and queer and trans liberation.
3: One way to do that is is offering, uh, you know, a place that they can highlight their art or their writing. We have a lot of um, submissions and a lot of artwork and essays that we end up running that are are done by people um, that you mentioned. You know, by trans people, by by people of color, by people that are, you know, repressed in and out of our of our carceral system. Um, and then we also, the, the, the calendar is a fundraiser. So, you know, we don't profit from the work done or, or the product made. We give all of the money that we raise from selling the calendar to organizations that are working to abolish prisons, to help people that are imprisoned, um, you know, in particular people that are most likely to be, um, you know, abused and assaulted. Uh, Over the years, we've given to a number of different organizations, uh, release aging people in prison. RAP in New York is one that we've given to pretty consistently. Um, Palestinian youth movement is one that we've given to in recent years that, you know, obviously is in need of funds. And that's what we generally try to do is give to smaller organizations that maybe aren't as well known, but that are on the front lines um, of the struggle and that that are in most need of the the funds.
0: You know, we were very lucky to have uh, Josh, you and some of your comrades on in 2020. Um, And I wanted to encourage folks to go back and listen to that episode. We go into a lot of the basics of the calendar and how it works and how the collective works. and uh, and you know we can we'll touch on some of that as well today. I think Kim and I wanted to talk about some of the writings and some of the artwork that are in the the version coming out uh, or that is out for 2024. Um, but you know when Kim and I were talking and we were thinking back about you know some of the things that have changed since 2020 since we last spoke and how um, some of those things might impact the work that you all are involved in. One of the things that came up for both of us and that, uh, you know, we and especially Kim has been, um, you know, uh, advocating around for a long time is this issue of this transition to mail scanning uh, and more restrictive mail policies and the digitization of mail in a lot of prisons um, around the country. And I was wondering, you know, have you seen this show up in your work and your ability to mail things inside? Has this impacted any of the choices that you've made? Um, or, you know, how things have gone in, in recent years, I was just curious if you had anything to say about the changing mail policies as, you know, an organization that, um, you know, part of the work that you're doing is making these calendars available to people on the inside.
2: Well, I'll say, um, you know, in general, we try to uh, get around whatever hurdles they, they put in front of us. You know, they've now got all this mail scanning and you send mails in different states and the prisoners are in. You know, it does, they try to make it complicated and, and discourage people from having uh, connections with the outside world. And so, you know, because we know that that's what they're trying to do, we try to not let that happen, right? So, um, so we have to go an extra step or two in order to make the correspondence work. Uh, we work really hard to try to get the calendar into prisoners who are in facilities that don't uh, really have very, you know, lenient uh, mailing rules so sometimes we'll have to, like, send copies of the, like, photocopies or printouts uh, of the calendar in because they won't let a staple get in and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of regulations. It's just kind of a part of the way it's always been um, mm-hmm. within these prison systems, you know. And, and, and I think that this scanning of of the mail and, uh, you know, and also these, like, video visits that they're trying to do, they're all efforts to sort of just disconnect us further. Uh, alienate us even farther uh, between people who are inside and people who are outside. So, um, so it's important to just sort of keep going regardless of these of these regulations.
3: I would just highlight what what Leslie said. It's important to just you know continue past that. You know, and if if the mail is returned to you, you know, find another way to send it in. Um, we were just talking today as a collective how we need white envelopes to send calendars Mm. into all federal prisoners and most state prisoners now um you know so they're going to continue to throw um you know things in our way the entire process but it doesn't mean that we can't get information to them and from them at the same time
0: absolutely yeah absolutely i mean i know obviously uh just from inference but also from our last conversation that these kinds of like restrictions and the censorship are not anything new you know for the work that you're doing or for anybody who corresponds with people on the inside but yeah i was just curious if sort of this new wave uh has impacted and i appreciate you guys sharing that
2: yeah you know it's a, it's a pain right they're trying to yeah. make it a difficult thing i remember many years ago learning that um you know only certain inks and certain colors of of pen and stuff like that were allowed in, and some of those regulations came from this uh, concept that people were, whether it was true or not, people were m- mixing LSD into these inks and then putting them on letters, and then prisoners would, you know, be having acid trips or something ridiculous like that. So, you know, it's always going to be something. Um, and now that you know this great video technology comes out, of course, you know they're going to promote that at certain facilities instead of allowing us in-person visits.
1: So, I wanted to ask a question for, for Josh uh, specifically. You co edited a book uh, called uh, Rattling the Cages Oral Histories of North American Political Prisoners with Eric King. And I'd love to hear you talk about um, the book and what motivated that project and uh, when it's coming out and how we can get a hold of it and how listeners uh, can, can get their hands on a copy.
3: Thanks so much, Kim. And yeah, it's a book that Eric and I started working on basically when COVID started. So it's been a number of years now. Um, Eric King is a anarchist, anti-fascist political prisoner. He's been in prison for about 10 years for a nonviolent act of property destruction. And he's due to be released in February 2024. And he came up with the idea of interviewing political prisoners, you know, current and former, in order to learn what they've experienced, what they've gone through, how they've survived it, um, you know, and, and what they think the future holds. So the book is really my attempt to to answer those questions. And I, I talked to about 40 people and the book is, uh, you know, a compilation of, of those interviews with those 40, 40 or so people. Um, Angela Davis wrote a really beautiful preface. And then Sarah Falconer, who is a, uh, a member of the Certain Days Collective as well. She wrote a really amazing introduction. And um, the book is due out December 5th through AK Press. And you can get it through them, AK Press or uh, Burning Books, uh, burningbooks.com. And I'll be doing a few events. I know Eric is excited to do events when he gets out. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing what people think about it.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to uh, just clarify uh, for folks who are like, wait, is this a conversation about the calendar or is this a conversation about the book? It's both, right? Because the calendar does highlight um, the the book that's coming out, all of these, you know, other projects. And, uh, and that's the function. That's one of the functions of the calendar is to, you know, disseminate that kind of information that folks would not necessarily otherwise, you know, um, know about and i think that kind of segues into one of the other questions that uh we came up with around um the the section where you highlight you know you feature all of the current cases that are happening and um and why that's important and i think that that's Again, another feature but function of the calendar is to pass along, you know, this information that folks may not necessarily um, hear about. And some of the, you know, some of the cases that you highlight uh, include the forest defenders who are fighting to stop cop city, uh, as well as the Alex Stokes case and um, Pepe and Crystal DePippa um I'd love for you to elaborate on the importance of these cases and tell our listeners how they can support these individuals um as well as the causes um that they're uh, a part of
2: well, I think supporting uh these cases is extremely important if we can do anything to prevent people from becoming uh political prisoners or prevent them from becoming long-term pro- political prisoners um then that's a then that's a victory you know for our movements um you know people face repression when they're starting to have success in their movements right and um if we want to see success in our movements uh we need to fight against the repression that's working basically to stop our movements from succeeding right and so um it's, you know when these cases come up we need to we need to show our support. Another thing that I'd like to point out that what the what the calendar does is it unites people across these different segments of the movement or the struggle. Um you know because there's people in there from Black Liberation struggle or Earth Liberation Struggle or people who are, you know, facing charges currently um for James Revenge actions and on and on and on and they're all in one place together and being recognized together as part of the same movement, which is a really key thing and for many years in my time that I've been involved in the struggle, which is a long time, feels like a long time, um, you know, there's been a lot of silos of people who are interested in this or interested in that and and then these movements only tend to really focus on their own political prisoners if they even have any, right? So the one thing that this calendar does is bring everyone together and so when we see somebody from perhaps a, a new element of the struggle has bubbled, bubbled up and, uh, and who's now facing repression, you know, we really want to jump on boosting the support that they can get. Also providing a model for people to look at from past political prisoner support campaigns uh, to maybe learn from and take lessons from in order to do new and upcoming support campaigns.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you'll permit me to, I have maybe somewhat of a slightly odd question, but something related to this that I was thinking about when approaching the calendar this time and reflecting a little bit on the conversations that we had last time. Um, you know, I was th- I was particularly looking at this the page with the updates and I was thinking about the work that you all do you know, really grounded in um, solidarity and struggle with people uh, who are political prisoners. And I was just curious, you know, if either of you had anything to share about how sort of this angle of engagement or approach with our movements has, you know, shaped your perspectives or sort of taught you any lessons lessons about um, movements and struggle. You know, I think having uh, such a engagement with all of the different subjects and struggles and like, you, you know, you touched on some of this talking about solidarity between movements and getting away from the siloing. You know, I, I think maybe some of these lessons are, are uh, answer this question, but I just kind of wanted to a, approach the subject a little bit for you two. you know, like how has doing work grounded in um, engagement with political prisoners in particular, you know, shaped your perspective on the work that you do?
3: That's a, that's a great question. I've kind of come to see it as a conversation and, and a conversation that needs to be had, you know, with, with a, a wider range of people. When um, that conversation kind of for me started visiting people in prison and getting letters from people in prison and, and learning from them and learning from the movements that they helped to found, you know, in decades and decades before us. Um, but also from people who are in prison now for, you know, actions that happened recently. Um and I think that the calendars really, you know, for the last 20 some years has been a great example of expanding that conversation and like inviting other people, not necessarily political prisoners, but social prisoners or politicized prisoners or even people who have like no idea what a political prisoner is. Into the conversation. Um, and I tried to do that with the book, too. You know, it's just an ongoing conversation with different people trying to make a better world and trying to see how they do that.
2: You know, I hail from the from the Earth Liberation struggle, and um, you know, as as that struggle progressed, uh, we we suddenly started to develop a number of our own political prisoners. And to be fully honest about it, I think before that happened, we weren't super aware of all these people who were serving prison time for their contributions to the struggle. And um, and we weren't really paying a whole lot of attention to them but as soon as you know our people started you know getting put away in prison for a long time it made sense to me to try to figure out how these past movements uh dealt with that right how they survived it um, mitigated it as much as possible so I really worked hard to to reach out to these movements, and I quickly found out that there were a ton of people in prison for decades, and uh, and that they weren't far away from me, you know, and that and that uh, and that I could build relationships and connections with them and, and and learn a lot from them, and that has really been a huge thing uh, in my life over the last like 25 years or so is um, is building those relationships and really feeling like um, it's made a major impact on our ability to survive repression and push our struggle forward. It's also sort of highlighted to me that the fact that um, a lot of times we see somebody who's thrown in prison and we just feel really bad for them. Uh, we start to view them as if they were like a victim. But really, these are people who made massive contributions to our movements that we have so much to learn from and so much to thank and appreciate. and um, And they have so much to Give still so many contributions to make and so reaching out and building these connections and relationships has really created a much more powerful uh, what do they call it uh, intersectional movement I guess uh, and really is uh, it's is been a mutually beneficial relationship between these past movements who have had people in prison for a long time Uh, And the movements that are coming up now and might be facing repression and might have people in prison in the future Like the more connection we have between all these struggles, which is actually really easy to make When you're dealing with political prisoner support, it's almost impossible not to make those connections when you're dealing with political prisoner support So I think that that's a big bonus uh, for for doing this kind of work and after you know, I've, I've put time into this and I've made really close and intense relationships and friendships with people um from these other movements who've done a lot of time in prison uh it just totally changes you and and um, really makes you a stronger better activist all around makes our movement stronger and more powerful to all have this connection
0: thank you yeah i appreciate that so much and i think that's a you know i think those are all really important points to make and i think you know i was talking to kim uh about this a little bit before and we were talking about how you know unless you are sort of actively seeking out a lot of this and are connected and following and in all of these different movements, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, through the work or the lack of work or the way that the media does work, that it's very hard to, to even tell when somebody is, you know, criminalized and turned into a a political prisoner. Um, You know, it's not like, you know, I guess what I'm saying is when I was looking at the calendar, it struck me to see it all in one place, you know? Um, And and I think that you're right, there is like a really powerful unifying force behind that. Um, So yeah, I I just appreciate that answer. So thank you.
2: Yeah, and you know, that's what the the oppressive power structure really wants us all to just focus on the one thing that we first came in contact with that we were first motivated by and not draw these connections together because they can keep us in these isolated groups. It's like the divide and conquer strategy, you know, but like I said, dealing with political prisoner support breaks that down.
1: I want to um, come back to uh, something uh, that you said, Josh, kind of in passing, and you were talking about, you know, the uh, terminology or the language. I, I'm pretty sure it was you um, who said that uh, a few minutes ago. And, you know, this comes to, like, one of my favorite sections in the calendar um, is a section on terms, right? One, because, like, I think it underscores the importance of language, but it especially, um, you know, in this moment, right? Like where language really matters, the words that we use matter, specificity is important. Um, and I'd love for you to, you know, tell us why you believe that that specificity is, uh, is key right now in in the work of collective liberation and why having that kind of shared vocabulary uh is an important starting point right in that process because you do highlight a number of terms we've been using the term political prisoner throughout the conversation um as opposed to regular prisoner right if you will but uh it's it's important to define those terms, but also to think of them very expansively as well in terms of, you know, what uh, what it is that we're doing. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about um, that section.
3: Absolutely. Thank you. Um, you know, first and foremost, the calendar is an educational project. You know, it's a fundraiser and an educational project, and we want to, you know, highlight and enlighten people as to. What the struggle means and what these people have gone through, um, you know, and, and using direct terminology is the best way to do so. Um, you know, we provide definitions like political prisoner, prisoner of war, politicized prisoner, um, and, and ideas like gender and prison, um, migrant detention, trans people uh, within the prison system, things like that, because it's important to to know what we're talking about. When you know we're we're providing twelve essays and twelve pieces of art, but it doesn't necessarily have a context if you don't know the greater idea of what we're trying to 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 impart um and in general, I think we try to come at the definitions and at the very differently you know the the idea of the calendar from an anti racist and an anti fascist perspective and from and making sure to highlight that um you know one thing. In the past, when I've tried to sell the calendar, some people have come up, you know, and be like, oh, political prisoners, um, you know, do you you have people from January 6th in here? And, you know, at at first I was was (laughs) kind of offended by it, but it's also an opportunity to help them understand the difference, you know, between a political prisoner, uh, you know, and a fascist moron, Um, (laughs) to put it, you know. I guess to to use the correct terminology.
0: I love that section, and I also I, I like the attention paid to in the discussion. You know, around political prisoners and politicized prisoners. Um, Uh, you know, you talk on that page, this is, you know, if anybody, when you do get the calendar, I think it's on page six, you're talking about the interplay between mass incarceration and political imprisonment um, and that the support of politically active prisoners and the broader work to dismantle the prison system are tightly intertwined. Um, So, yeah, I don't know if you have anything more to say on that, but I, I appreciate, you know, this sort of analysis as we're talking about this subject in defining terms, and, and like Kim says, you know, ma- making them also capacious and in, in practical and helpful ways um, at the same time.
2: I guess I would just add that, you know, it, it's both a struggle to support our, you know, comrades, I guess you would say, um, who have been captured, as well as a struggle to, you know, join in with uh, people who are incarcerated for Whatever reason, in their struggles to fight against that power structure there, right, so um it's important to understand these distinctions but but it's not intended to you know draw a sort of superiority of anyone over anyone else, you know just a just a way to sort of have these ideas expressed and be able to work on all these things together and a platform for that.
1: thank you for adding that um because I think that's a really important point um and I Segues into something that you know we had touched on uh already, but I want to you know pivot and do a, a little bit of a, a deep dive into this. Um the essays in this in the 2024 version are incredible. Um and while they all speak to different issues, they all also share in the same political vision, right, of liberation. Uh, And I was particularly struck by uh, Sean Swain's essay, Abolition, A Matter of Public Safety, um, with the word safety in air quotes, which is, you know, uh, yeah, duh, right? Um, Can you summarize uh, Sean's argument and talk about the accompanying artwork by Dio Kramer?
3: But yeah, Sean talks about about how, you know, one day someone's in supermax prison and you know, you need five guards and and all these chains around them because they're so dangerous, but the next day they're released into society, you know, and what, where safety in, in that equation, you know, what, what, what has prison done to someone during that time to make them safer or more equipped for society, you know, from one day to the next. Um, and in most cases, prison hasn't done anything but harm people. You know, whatever good has come from it has come from those people making the best of a horrible situation. Um, and I think Sean highlights that really well in 500 words or, or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dio Kramer's accompanying artwork is really beautiful. It, it says, we abolish, we rebuild. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very beautiful. Um, and I hope that one day Sean's able to come outside and help rebuild with us.
1: No, thank you. And I, um, you know, you talk about safety and um, Sean talks about safety in in that essay and with that image of, you know, one day you're a prisoner and the next day the guards are walking you out. It's like, it's security theater, right? It's like, it's just this whole kind of like you know, (laughs) uh, performance, right, around, around security, right, like, this, this is the same person who 12 hours before, three hours before, was, you know, categorized um, differently within, you know, the database or whatever, um, within, you know, DOC, and now all of a sudden, you know, it's like, um, it, 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 so that, Wrapping our heads around the kind of um duality hypocrisy um ridiculousness I don't know there, help me out here brian uh words are, are or not, <laughs> not i I,
3: do, I I do think you're 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 on to it though it's 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 a yeah it's an attempt to like dehumanize people you know mm-hmm. while they're there and and they even take their name from them, you know they give them a number, and they don't get that name back until they're out of, you know, out of those walls. So it it really is just a way of dehumanizing people and taking everything they possibly can from them. Right. And it doesn't do anything to improve society. But sorry to interrupt, Brian.
0: No, no, I I think that's right. And I mean, obviously, I think that's right. And I, I think as well, you know, we could talk about what it's like to be on community supervision after you're released as well, right? You know, like if you're paroled. Uh, a lot of the hoops that you have to jump through, a lot of the boxes that you have to check, you know, actively make you and your life in your living situation unstable and unsafe and make it even difficult for those around you and your support networks. Um, so, you know, I think your point is absolutely correct. That sort of jarring Uh, disconnect is absolutely dehumanizing and to put somebody through that deliberately is an awful and terrible thing. And then to extend it further, you know, when somebody is supposed to be quote unquote free, you know, back in the community, but uh, may not be able to even be around their family depending on if they have, uh, you know, a criminal record or anything like that. You know, I I think it's um, I think it just goes to, to further underscore that point. I also really loved uh, Sean's article in here, and and a lot of the articles. Um, I loved the, the piece on Cop City. Um, I think was a uh, an excerpt from uh, Unicorn Riot uh, piece um, that that was excellent. And I was just wondering, you know, where not to to pick favorites. Maybe that would be controversial in in the collective. But you know, this year, was there anything, you know? You know, either if there's if there were particular pieces that made it uh, that are particular favorites or stood out to you. But also, you know, were there any sort of like themes or things that you've noticed this year or maybe even in sort of the the COVID era that we're in? I'm just curious, like, you know, in in recent years, have you seen the kinds of submissions you get change? Have there been any any trends or things that you've noticed that stand out to you?
2: Well, I can I can speak to uh, November which is Leonard Peltier's month coming up here. Um, so I've been, I've been working uh, with Leonard Peltier, who's an American Indian Movement activist who was serving two life sentences um, for allegedly killing two FBI agents who were involved in um, this terrible era of repression on the Pine Ridge uh, Reservation and um Leonard has been somebody that I've wanted to connect with for a long time. Um he's been a really inspirational person to me. Um and you know, he's in a federal facility, he's been there uh, for a long time, um longer than I've been alive. And um and so I I helped with a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request that he was uh looking to have done. So essentially as a paralegal and then I was since you know, since I had been a paralegal in his case I was able to go with a lawyer and visit him in prison but normally I wouldn't have been able to do that so I was able to go and visit him and talk to him about the calendar you know get him excited about it get him to submit some art and, uh, and, and write this incredible essay that he wrote which I was very excited about and uh, and then we chose to put it in November Seeing is how it's a uh, what do you call it Thanksgiving month and uh, and just sort of have a you know that type of feature at that time of year to help remind people which goes along with a lot of the dates and stuff that are like really in the calendar as you flip through the actual mm-hmm. calendar pages you'll find all these like radical history and different takes on the holidays and all this kind of stuff mixed in there so we really wanted to have something around. You know, it was either going to be like Columbus Day or, or Thanksgiving where we were going to do uh, something with Leonard. And in and, and that type of work, you know, I, I actually flew down to Florida, spent a couple of days there, got inside this maximum uh, federal facility compound that he's in. Um, and it was one of the few visits he's even had since he have been able to have since COVID, you know, and it really um, not just made this thing happen in the calendar, but it really sort of built this connection with him and and with the people that he's been working with and his support committee and and, you know and the calendar collective and everything and um, I think it sort of exemplifies the way that this whole process works and all the stuff that happens like behind the scenes in order to make these these pages happen in the calendar so that's something I really really liked working on and and thought was valuable for, for this year
3: that's great Um, I would probably say my favorite would be September. Not favorite, but like one I've read and and admired most recently. Um, The artwork is by Zinoczali, our Inside Collective member. Um, And then the essay is by Ed Mead. It's called Time for Change. And Ed Mead was a former member of the George Jackson Brigade, a political prisoner for about 20 years. And he passed away two days ago um, on his 82nd birthday. But he was free at the time, and he never let prison you know, get in the way of his activism. And uh, I think his essay is just really beautiful. So that's what I've been reading recently. And to tie it all back together, when I interviewed Ed for the Rattling the Cages book, he told me that he um, was the first person to provide all the dates that are in the calendar to the, to the Certain Days group. Oh, wow. He, he had always wanted to make a calendar and never got around to it. But yet he had, he had all these radical dates. so. Hmm most of the, a lot of those original dates came from him. Huh.
1: That's brilliant. That's, That's brilliant. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, I love that you both kind of anticipated um, the questions that we were going to ask anyway, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, and, you know, a couple things that I want to um, touch on here in, uh, in this next section is to talk about the, um, not just the artists that were featured in this year's calendar, and obviously we won't be able to talk about all of them, maybe highlight a few more and uh, discuss the importance of political art uh, within liberation movements. And if I could piggyback another question onto that, because I feel like, you know, we've been talking about all of these things, the radical dates that are included, right? Like I had that as a separate question, but I feel like, you know, when i look at the calendar that's another one of the features that i really um enjoy right that makes the calendar unique is that every day is like a mini history lesson right or a portal into a mini history lesson because it's they function as an invitation to do more research to do more reading to be like oh i i didn't know that that thing happened on that day or i never heard of that person let me go and look them up or oh, that's curious, right? And there's so many moments when you look at the calendar throughout the year where that happens. So I would love to hear more um, about that. And if either of you have uh, some of the most, you know, memorable highlights, that's a lot of questions all at once. I'm going to stop. I'm acting like I'm at an academic conference where I'm like asking like a a three page question. Sorry about that.
2: Um so this August coming up um the artwork is done by Praxis who is a street artist um that hangs up a whole lot of kind of large pretty graphic posters that relate to the animal liberation struggle in one way or the other um and who's got a huge following and and you know has a massive like Instagram with all this really cool stuff hanging up all over the city Um, and so I reached out to them and they had already known about the calendar and were really happy, you know, to, to have, you know, been asked to participate and submitted an original piece of artwork for it, which was really awesome. features a beagle bursting like some kind of superhero through a a brick wall to where inside is a prisoner reading a a letter, you know, breaking a prisoner out basically. and says freedom awaits on it, you know? Um, So, you know, Again, that's that's a way to sort of reach out to to people who are active out on the streets today and bring them into this situation. There's another month I'll mention with the artwork. Um, October, uh, Jordan Halliday is is featured in there with the artwork. It's a you know a bunch of things burning, which always makes me happy. Um, and actually, there was another version of this that we couldn't that we couldn't include because it was a little too explicit, and prisons wouldn't might not have let it in inside but um, but this one is excellent as well. And uh, and Jordan was a, a grand jury resistor in uh, Earth Liberation Front Investigation. So, uh, so we're also very excited to have that featured in here as well.
3: And I really like, we have, you know, we get sometimes we get so much artwork that it's hard. You know, we wish there were more months in the year. Um, but we do try to highlight some piece of art in the beginning when we have like a very brief uh, intro essay. And we have some, black and white art called land back by Oso blanco and um and monty Lebeau, who are two federally held indigenous uh prisoners and i think that's really cool we also have artwork for the first time uh by ricardo Levens morales which is really beautiful and he's been doing radical art i don't know for 20 30 years um his art is is really amazing and then the cover art and Obanzo, i think is really cool um one thing that that Leslie mentioned though is just like that we have to you know we we have to pay attention to what art we use in order to get it into the prisons, um, and a lot of times that really restricts what we're able to highlight. Um, so that that is one limit, you know, one realistic limitation that we do constantly have. In terms of the dates, like that, that is something that. Um, has really been a constant in terms of social media, really pushing people towards the calendar and, and um, providing people opportunities to learn more about these radical things that happened on these particular dates. And we are always looking for help, you know, on social media or just in general. We, we're a very small crew, um, you know, trying to accomplish a lot. So we're, we are always looking for people to help out.
2: Yeah, I was, I was just going to add that in terms of the dates, um, you know, we're not exactly taught a lot about, You know, radical moments in history or or the contributions of of, uh, revolutionaries who ended up as political prisoners and stuff like that in our upbringing in this country. So, uh, you know, we feel like it's really important to know more about what has happened that has got us here today, right? Uh, And what we can build from to get to where we want to go tomorrow than just these sort of. Mickey Mouse versions of of Martin Luther King that that maybe we learn in our public school teaching or what have you. So we really do try to add a lot of like um, interesting and powerful and important moments so that when you just look on the on the fridge to check the calendar, right, to to like see what day of the week it is or whatever, you know, you're gonna find out uh, the day that Che Guevara was killed or um, you know when there was a a prison at, uh, strike at at Folsom. Um, And on and on right Um, and that you'll know that this thing happened today, right? Maybe you'll say something to somebody else during your day about that, you know Or maybe you'll look it up later and do a little research Or maybe you'll just remember something that you had heard of before and and it'll be with you for you know the day or 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 at least part of the day. And, and those things are really important, right? The way that like advertising works is that they just keep repeating the same crap over and over until it sticks in your head. So we need to keep repeating the things that we want to stick in our head over and over so that you know we can be on point and be aware of what's going on and be prepared to sort of, again, like push our movements forward and succeed against this this you know huge monster we're up against essentially. So the dates are really important and they're exciting. And Josh and I in particular were just talking about like wanting to do more with the dates, um, wanting to add a lot more and, and revamp things. You know, right now I'm looking at uh, you know just a few days ago Assadish Shakur was liber- liberated from, from prison in 1979. Right, um, that's really important to know. Right, Assad is still. Uh, being wanted by the FBI, the first woman on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list, right There's a last I heard a two million dollar bounty on her. Um, it is important to know these things, right uh, and to talk about them to other people um, so that's why we have all this stuff on on the dates. It's really kind of important and significant moments that people fought for, they struggled for, they suffered for, and that we should honor.
0: I was, uh, again, saying to Kim earlier that I appreciate as well that the calendar, because of what it is and the way that it's made and everything, it, it also creates important space, I think for like mourning and, and remembrance, right. Um, you know, obviously we don't want to remember or show solidarity or what have you with folks, um, you know, when only when they're gone, right? Like we we want to be present and support people in the here and now as well. But I also think that these kinds of making space for these kinds of remembrances and for um, reminding people of these legacies is a really important point of political engagement as well. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a way to bring people into aspects of history and struggle and and models of resistance that um, maybe they didn't hear of. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, until now, so not really a question uh there necessarily, but i you know I was listening to you all talk about the dates and and some of the dates that came up, and I was just appreciating as well um you know how the calendar also makes space for for memorializing and continuing the struggle of people that we've lost along the way
3: yeah, yeah, and that's something I think that we've consciously tried to do um you know in the update section, we always talk about political prisoners who have been released or, or who have passed on to the ancestors. And this year, we've been lucky to have um, a piece by Dominique Conway and uh, Marshall Eddie Conway's uh, wife. He passed away in February and she wrote a really beautiful and moving essay about him. Um, and then Dr. Matula Shakur died in July, just a few months after being released from prison. And Dr. Tolbert Small, who was, um, like Matulu, a, a founding um, black medical pioneer uh, with the Black Panther Party and beyond, still active today. He re- wrote a really moving essay about Matulu. Um, Eric King wrote an essay about David that's really moving. And, and last year, David wrote something about his, his wife, Kathy Boudin, who died. So yeah, I think that's been kind of a constant throughout, and hopefully people pick up on that and, and you know recognize the important of, importance of that.
0: Um, Kim, did you have any other questions? I just noting that we have about six minutes left. um, Anything else you wanted to ask?
1: No, I think we've uh, pretty much covered it. I just like to invite both Leslie and Josh to um, share any final thoughts, anything uh, you want listeners to know, plug. Where you know
2: yes. they
1: can go and order uh the calendar and we'll add all of the links, social media, everything um in in the show notes, so
2: I'll say that um these prisoners or i'm sorry these calendars uh you know are up all year on people's walls and radical spaces all around the country. We print thousands of them it generates tens of thousands of dollars every year for political prisoners and abolitionist work and uh and just the fact that it's hanging up in all these places and that people look at them at least briefly on a regular basis, um, it just keeps bringing us back to, to that point where we're remembering and recognizing and connecting with these struggles and with these prisoners on a regular basis. And, and when they're in public or, or semi-public spaces, people see them. And usually from a distance, they'll see the artwork right? And then they'll be like, oh, well, what is that? That looks really interesting. Where did you get that calendar? This is a major, like, outreach tool, right? That that really makes a difference for uh, for people who are doing abolitionist work and people who are political prisoners are doing political prisoner support work. And, uh, and you know, it doesn't take much for people to get a copy of their own. It, it doesn't take a whole lot more for people to get A a bulk number 10 or more of these things at a discounted rate and then be able to sell them as a fundraiser or give them out as holiday gifts you know and and really the and really what you're doing is putting up you know a piece of the movement on walls all around all around the community right that that is going to bring people again back into uh, a connection and association with our movements on a more regular basis so I see this as a really important project um, that uh, that everyone should really plug into. You know, for fifteen bucks, you can get one, hang it up on your wall, give it to a friend, hang it up in a community space or in a business or what have you, and it really does make this sort of low key ongoing, uh, you know, impression on everyone that that uh, comes within contact of it. So I think this a really powerful, important uh, project. I'm glad to be a part of.
3: Yeah, likewise, same thing. Um, that's an amazing project and, and, uh, you know, this is the time to get them. They make great holiday gifts, great end of the year gifts. Um, you can go to certain burningbooks.com, or just go to your local bookstore. And if they don't have it, you know, hound them until they end up buying it.
0: That's a great note. Yes, definitely hound your local bookstore to carry the calendar. I, I co-signed that wholeheartedly, um, well, we deeply appreciate the work that you're all involved in. Uh, you know, from past conversations, how much we appreciate the calendar. I know Kim's been a part of it with Paul, um, and has. Uh, it's just, it's just a wonderful thing um, to have in our movement, and I'm, I'm really grateful for it. So, I just wanted to thank you both for the work that you're doing and, and your comrades. Um, and, uh, yeah, we will include links to everything in the episode notes and can't thank you enough and please keep in touch and come back.
3: Thank you you
1: both. both. Thank you so much. Really appreciated this conversation.